0: What's up, everybody, and welcome into Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler, and ladies and gentlemen, we have made it to training camp week 2023, the Washington Commanders. Now, rookies reported last Friday on July 21st, as we sit here on Monday morning, July 24th, we are just two days away from Washington's first official practice out at the facility in Ashburn. And then practice, practices begin to open to the public on Thursday, July 27th, and then throughout the week and into the following weeks. But ladies and gentlemen, look—we've made it. It's been a long off season. It's crazy to think how fast it always goes every single year. I know for the last decade plus, the off season has been really the Super Bowl for the Burgundy Gold. What additions are they going to make in free agency or the draft, or what trades? What guys are going to come in? What guys are going to come out? And you're looking at it on paper, and when we look at the roster right now, there is talent on either side of the ball, and really in all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams, to where expectations have reached new heights in Washington because of the arrival of Eric Bieniemy, of course, Sam Howell entering training camp as QB1. There are two brand new quarterbacks in the building, obviously, with, with Sam now starting, and then Jacoby... Brissette as QB2 coming over in the offseason. But also, and what we'll get to in the back half of this episode is of course new ownership. It's happened. I didn't think it was ever gonna happen, folks. There's been parties everywhere. There hasn't been a parade yet. Surely gonna be something along those lines. It's deserved. But brand new ownership: Josh Harris, Mitchell Rails, Magic Johnson, the long list. Of investors, the new ownership group of the Burgundy and Gold was officially announced, introduced, welcomed into the DMV community last week and this weekend, this past weekend, excuse me. It's an exciting time to be a follower of the Burgundy and Gold. Again, I will get to the ownership and what that means from the top down later in this episode, but right now I want to focus on football. That's what we do here. Ownership, they're going to do their thing up top. They're gonna do their thing off the field. But here on this podcast, we talk ball. And this is training camp. We're a few weeks away, really, from preseason football. And sooner rather than later, week one hosting the Arizona Cardinals at FedEx Field. So I want to get take you into training camp, but take the layers off a little bit. And I want to dive into a few players that I expect to see a lot of in training camp and interested to see how they produce, how they're moved around. How healthy they are. Bunch of storylines around a lot of different players. So five or six guys I have for you. I'm going to take you down the list. It starts at the top for me with number 99 and Chase Young. How healthy is he? What is the type of player that he is going to be? Moving already into year four. Year four, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, he was drafted second overall pick back in 2020. Defensive rookie of the year. Last two years, been hampered by by injury. Now he's healthy. Supposedly 100%. Washington declined his fifth year option. He's going to be a free agent after this season. But the commanders have already told him, look, Chase, you show up, you produce the way we expect you to, you become a dominant edge threat, a potential defensive player of the year candidate because he has the talent to do so. We're going to pay you. We're not going to have an issue of doing that. I think they've shown over these last few off seasons, if you're a young stud... That has been drafted, you show up, you produce, we're going to pay you. Terry McLaurin, De'Ron Payne, John Allen. Chase Young obviously wants to be that next guy. So this is this is a massive, massive series of practices to kick off training camp to what we're going to see from Chase Young moving into 2023. Because this defense already could be a top five unit. Yards allowed, points given up, without Chase Young. But then you add him into the fold, a dynamic athlete at five tech. You want to reduce him inside. You want to put his hand in the ground. You want to stand him up. We know the type of athlete he is in the flat areas of the defense, the athlete that he is in the run game. Now it's just continuing to evolve that pass rush repertoire that we haven't seen evolve that much from his days at Ohio State and moving into the league. He's got everything in the bag. It's just refining and fine-tuning the little things about his game to get him to a level to where there's not a single offensive tackle in football, even your elite of the elites that can't hold number 99. But another guy also along that same positional group that I'm interested to see, and I've talked a lot about him since Washington drafted him on day three out of Clemson, is KJ Henry. Because Washington drafted him, guys, to push Montez Sweat and Chase Young, a guy that was extremely overlooked in that Clemson defense and I think someone that's come that will come in right away and be a, just a monster against the run game. Extremely physical, extremely strong, just a refined athlete in the run game. But in the passing game, trying to get after the passer, he doesn't need to be a three-down edge rusher right now for this team. I've told you guys in months past, you can go back to prior pods, that I expect KJ Henry to potentially be edge three on this roster, behind number 99 and behind number 90. That's my expectations for KJ Henry when you microscope him at Clemson. Now, a lot of good players around him. Some of the focus was put elsewhere when you're an offensive coordinator in college preparing for the Clemson Tigers. But you watch KJ, down at Clemson, at the Senior Bowl, get to know the kid during this offseason cycle. It's just someone that's going to show up every day, bring his lunch pail to work, and be a heck of a ball player. And there's guys that are taken in the middle of day three that just become immediate core players for rosters. And it's where you win games. Everybody gets so sexy about top 100 picks or where you're going round one, round two, the picks that you have round three, round four, round five and beyond, that's where you win games. That's the back end of your roster. You have to build there. You have to draft well. And you have to develop well, and I think they did a, a hell of a job bringing in a player like KJ Henry to where again I think he's going to be excellent in the run game right away. I'm not asking you're not going to be elite in the run game, but understanding how to stack and shed, set the edge, force things back into the inside where you got your beef, right? And Daron Payne, John Allen, John Ridgeway, Phil Mathis—that's your beef in the middle. Force things there, allowing your linebackers to do their job and fill in their gaps. And then get after the passer a little bit. And I'm really excited to see what KJ Henry is going to be immediately in this defense. Where I think he will have a role right away. And we will see it right away in training camp when we get to full 11-on-11 work. And even some one-on-ones, of course, with the ends and the the offensive tackles. Excuse me. Next, I'm going to hop over to the other side of the ball. And a guy that, look, he's got to show up. And that's Diami Brown. Receiver, remember, took him out of Carolina just a few years ago with Sam Howell now as QB1, are we going to see that relationship that the two had in college in Chapel Hill reinvent itself here in Washington? Because if the bottom line is, is where does De'Ami sit on this depth chart of receivers? Because he's not a top three guy. We know the names, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. That's your trio of receivers. That is not going to change. But Washington brought in Marcus Kemp. They brought in guys as UDFAs and Kaz Allen and Mitchell Tinsley. Dax Milne is still on the roster. He's shown some more versatility than De'Ami has as a punt returner. Dax has also worked in the slot. He's worked on the outside. But away from the Tennessee game last year where he had two touchdowns, we haven't seen anything that shows us that De'Ami Brown could be a legit wide receiver for in this offense. I'm rooting for the kid. You turned on the tape at North Carolina. He was exciting at all three levels, but I just don't know what to expect from him. So in one-on-ones, seven-on-seven, 11-on-11 with pads, his ability to separate, his ability to make contested catches, all that stuff, be able to block on the outside. There were a lot of times last year where he would come on the field. You're not Terry McLaurin. You're not Jahan Dotson. You're not one of these elite wide receiver one or, or wide receiver twos in this league to where you can maybe decide to stick your face in as a blocker and maybe you don't have to. De'Ami Brown's got to earn snaps. You have to block. And again, there were instances last time where he would be the lead blocker on little smoke screens of the outside, little tunnels, and he would let a corner work right past him immediately and the player would be blown up behind the line of scrimmage. That can't happen. Not asking him to be in a further extension on the offensive line and be a tackle out there. But at least stick your body in because he's not a small guy. He's not 5'9", 5'10". He's got some size to him. He's got some bulk to him. And he understands how to block. He saw it at Carolina. He saw it in his first few years in Washington. understands how to do it. But it's a willingness to. Because remember, these guys are coming in high school, college. They're always the guy. And Diami being a day two pick. Remember, day two pick. Out of North Carolina. There are expectations there. He is not the guy on the outside for this aerial attack he's not the guy it's not going to be the guy but you can never have enough guys that understand how to separate and knock on wood injuries happen guys miss time we've already seen it across the league already today Naheem Hines out for the season the guy was hit on a jet ski wasn't even driving the jet ski just someone ran into him now he's out for the season CJ Gardner Johnson going to the Lions from Philadelphia carted off the field today at practice they happen Unfortunately, the injuries rear their ugly head every year. Every team suffers injury. It's just how do you maneuver around them? And hopefully, again, knock on wood, they're not season ending like we saw from a guy like Phil Mathis last year going out in week one against the Jaguars. He's going to be back healthy. But for Diami Brown in training camp, I expect him to be peppered with targets because you're going to see what you actually get. Could he be a preseason darling and he's going to have a ton of work? I expect him to. I don't expect to see a lot of the McLaurin, Samuels, and Dotsons in the preseason. Maybe for a series or two each game, we will see. But Diami has to show up. This is a massive season for him as well. Next, I want to jump opposite side of the ball. I want to stick on defense. Quan Martin, second rounder out of Illinois. He is just your modern day, 2023, multi-level, hybrid, athletic, physical productive defender when you turn on that illinois defense an illinois secondary that had Sidney brown at safety who's now with philadelphia devin Weatherspoon that went top 10 to seattle at corner he's gonna pair nicely with Tariq woolen out in seattle this year so that's an nfc corner tandem to be aware of but when you watch him play i expect him to align at nickel right away where he should shut down slot guys people want to slide in x that's absolutely fine shut down tight ends if you have to that's fine. Blitz off the edge, play physical in the box. He can do all of that. But how is Jack Del Rio going to use him? And how is the usage going to diversify itself from a guy like Derek Forrest? Because if you look at the two, I think Quan is smoother in coverage, more flexible hips, change of direction, ball production, From a coverage standpoint, we see Derek come over the top a lot of times on tip balls, just being in the right place at the right time. Not saying Derek doesn't have good ball production. He did. He had had some good ball production last year, and we saw it. Had a heck of a year in 2022. But for Quan Martin as a guy that can play man and play zone in this defense, it's what we've talked about for so long as to what Jack Del Rio and the structure of his defense, what you want to see from guys on the back end. Because it allows your front seven... To do what they need to do to get after the passer. We're not just going to sit in zone five to seven yards off the ball on second and seven. We're going to get after you. First and ten. Get after you. Third and three. Let's play some press man. In the past, you haven't been able to do that. But you add a guy like Juan and you add a guy like Emmanuel Forbes on the outside with the ball production we know he's going to have. That can also cover if the ball production is not there. Big difference there. Quan's going to be a hell of an addition to this defense. Inside out, north-south, can run east to west, play can play within the hashes, can play beyond the numbers. Whatever you want him to do, if you're Jack Del Rio. He can do. Press man, zone, work downhill in the run game, chase guys in the flat areas, blow up a screen play, come off the corner on a blitz and take down the quarterback. All those things he does well and did well at Illinois. Second round pick, again, out of Illinois, the fighting a line I produced just athletes on athletes on athletes out of that secondary this year, excuse me, last year. And Quan Martin is going to be a major focal point, not of just this defense in 2023, but down the road. And of course, seeing him live for the first time in pads. I and mean, we really start to crack here in the next few days in training camp. Next is, is, is up front, bottom line, the front five with the offensive line. Two guys, Nick Gates, and Sam Cosme. Obviously, Sam drafted out of Texas. Offensive tackle sliding into guard. Who is he going to be at right guard? He is going to get tested every day at practice going against guys like Deron Payne and John Allen and John Ridgway and Phil Mathis. They even brought in a guy like Abdullah Anderson to provide some depth at D-Tackle. Does he make the team? We will see. But he's going to be tested. Playing right guard is much different than playing right tackle where you have your outside shoulder exposed. At guard, you got some bumpers to either side of you. But that bumper to his left side, and a guy that's also going to be tasked with making the production calls so Sam Howell can keep his eyes up, is Nick Gates. A guy that had a nasty injury with the Giants just a couple of years ago. But when you look at the kid, and you see his ability, and you see kind of the nastiness that he brings, I love those types of guys. I've gone on and on last year this time talking about Wes Schweitzer and Andrew Norwell. Just two dudes that you look like you took out of a Game of Thrones cast, put a helmet on them, and told them to get after people along the front five. Nick Gates kind of has that vibe to him. Just a dude that wants to take your lunch money, stick your face in the dirt, let you know about it. That's the type of guy that I want along my front five. You guys know all about the Hogs of the days past. When Washington was in its heyday. We're trying to get back to that heyday. I don't know if this franchise ever will. Hell, new ownership, new opportunities, breath of fresh air. Who knows if we'll ever get back to that in the days under Joe Gibbs. But Nick Gates is a guy that I think is going to have a lot of success along that front five as the anchor, the nucleus, the core. Because he's going to have, look, left guard remains to be seen. That's a major storyline. I've talked enough about Sadiq Charles and Chris Paul and whoever is going to line at left guard this year. That is a huge storyline. But Nick Gates and Sam Cosme on that right side, if you will, center and right guard, the whole right side is new because you bring in Andrew Wiley at right tackle. The whole front five, really, I could expand to just say the whole front five is so big. It is big every year. But with so many new faces and so many new skill sets, whether you're talking about older guys and Charles Leno and Andrew Wiley to younger guys and brand new faces in the building and Braden Daniels and Ricky Stromberg and even Chris Paul moving into year two with one start last year. Have to be better. They're going to be tested in practice, which is going to be great for them. It's going to be great going against that front four every single day. But who's going to show up and who's not? Who's going to stay healthy? Who's going to miss time? It happens every year. Happens every year. Who is going to show up? But for Nick Gates at center, making the protection calls, and Sam Howell, that relationship, that correlation has to be in tune for that first preseason game we move forward in the preseason in week one. That's got to be clicking. And then at right guard, Sam Cosme, high-level athlete. Guys now to his left and right. Hopefully, that will allow him to not just move vertical in the run game, use that athleticism in space as a puller, but also somebody pass pro to where he has the experience of kick-stepping, step, kick kick-stepping out. He's got to work back up if he has to retrace his steps. He's got good hands. He's got good body control. He's able to sink that butt in the ground. Does a nice job in pass, bro. It's just about finding consistency and also finding health. He's missed time each of his first two years of his career. He's got to be able to be on the football field. So again, Nick Gates and Sam Cosby I have my eyes, especially these early portions of training camp. Next up, Cody Barton at lineback, coming in from Seattle. Talked to you guys a bunch about how his role at Utah, coming into Seattle, working behind KJ Wright last year, filling the shoes, if you will, of Cole Holcomb. But when you look at the skill set of Cody Barton compared to Cole, I like Cody more from a fundamental perspective as a three down linebacker, potentially, more, again, than, than Cole Holcomb. I just, I look at his ability and coverage. He's a high-level, just a cerebral football player that understands what he's looking at from an offensive perspective. And you can't have enough of those guys. And what's nice about Cody is not just is he smart, but he's also a good athlete. And not all athletes are good football players, but Cody Barton happens to be a good football player. And we see it around the league every year where these guys come in on contracts where it's almost like a prove-it deal, if you will, a little bit, because Cody Barton hasn't been a legitimate starter in this league. He's going to have that opportunity next to Jamin Davis for a majority of this year until, potentially, the wheels fall off. And I expect him to play well. And if he does, it just, again, I talked about it with Chase Young, but when you take a step back to the linebackers, it starts there. That is your core. You have to be good. Really good at the core of your defense for your entire unit, the entire 11, all 11 guys, to reach their performance ceiling. So Cody Barton's gonna be flying around in training camp you're going to see him coming down in the A in the A-gap, blowing up guys like Brian Robinson and Chris Rodriguez. He's not afraid to take on those guys one-on-one, not afraid to flip his hips in coverage. You'll see him working over guys like Logan Thomas, John Bates, Cole Turner. I'm excited to see him and what he can offer, again, at the nucleus of this defense to where Washington has to improve and a multitude of facets for them to really lift the performance ceiling on this defense to where, look, we talk about a top 10 unit, Maybe a top five unit, but if everybody plays well after adding the young talent in the secondary in the first and second rounds of this draft, everything comes together. Guys are rushing out for the passer. You got ball hawks in the back end. You got linebackers that are communicating up to the front and the back. They understand what they're doing in the run game, in the passing game. You may have a top three unit in football, and that is a ceiling of this unit, and it starts at the core. Your linebackers, it's going to start with Cody Barton and Jamin Davis. Stay on defense, Benjamin St. Juiced. I mean, mean, what else can I say about Benjamin? Year three, same kind of career arc right now as Sam Cosme. He's just got to stay in the field. But when he's on the field, I love what I've seen from him. I really have. And for me, especially last year, he was CB1 on this roster. But now you bring in a guy like Emmanuel Forbes, who will align on the outside from week one, and you got a guy like Kendall Fuller. Is he going to play inside? Is he going to play outside? Is he going to be someone CB3 versatile, Or could he challenge St. Juice for a potentially outside role? I don't know. We will see that in training camp. But a big body, long arms. I talk about it all the time. His ability to play and press, man. Flip and run. The Philadelphia game. Look, I get it. Everyone will talk about A.J. Brown big boying him into the end zone. I get all of that. But when you look at his overall 2022 slate of games, the guy was good. He was really good. Didn't have any picks. Hasn't recorded a pick yet. In his NFL career, had six PBU's, allowed a one a below a 100 quarterback rating, just really good. 65 targets, 35 catches against, 53.8 receiving percentage. Guys are completing 50, basically 50 percent of the passes when they target him. It's a damn good job. Doesn't give up a ton of yards. He's just a good football player, but has to stay on the football field. And guys even had two sacks. So you can send him off the edge as a bigger body, almost that hybrid defender. Guy's 6'3", over 200 pounds. He's got some bulk to him. Not some 5'9", 5'10", corner that's 180 pounds. That's your your typical slot corner. He's not built like a THT, a Trevious Hodges Tomlinson that the Rams took, or even another guy in the Rams like Jacoby Durant that plays the slot. These smaller guys. He's got some bulk to him. And again, it looks like a CB1. Now I'm just bringing it all together. This is year three. This is Ron Rivera's guy, Martin Mayhew's guy. They drafted him in the third round back in 2021 out of Minnesota for a reason. Him and Emmanuel Forbes, for me, those are my two starting corners when we align in week one. Those are my two starting corners because right now for Arizona, how it looks, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, it's going to be Hollywood Brown, it's going to be Rondell Moore, and it's going to be Michael Wilson who they took from Stanford. That's going to be their thro- top three receivers, excuse me. Rondell's going to play in the slot. He's going to play in the outside. That's going to be their guys. Greg Dortch is also, uh, Greg Dortch, excuse me, as well, is going to work inside out. We will get in to team previews in the Arizona Cardinals preview the week prior to week one to where each game I will take you guys through each team, offense, defense, each positional group, matchups to take advantage of. We'll take the layers off of every single matchup. But when I look at Benjamin St. right now, we'll bring the the pod back to training camp right now and focus on number 25. He is a potential CB1 in this league. I think Emmanuel right now on paper is going to be your CB1. But he is a rookie in this league. I understand the ball production. I understand the coverage ability, the athletic intangibles, the SEC experience. But it is a transition from the from the SEC to the, to the NFL. Look, SEC has the most well-prepared players to immediately come in and compete that's just the bottom line sec is the sec but for st juice moving into year three the steps that he took last year to now this year i expect a lot from him i really do and he's got to stay healthy on this football field because they have to cover teams want to sling around the yard a bunch we all know that teams want to be sexy through the air who's going to show up on the outside who's going to cover the depth, really, for Washington at corner is okay. Brought back Danny Johnson. Rashad Wild Goose is still in the building. Christian Holmes, they drafted right last year out of Oklahoma State. More of a special teams guy, even though he got two starts, the Giants game, the Atlanta game last year. But the guys at the top is where my focus is, and that is with Benjamin St. juiced. He has got one-on-ones, 11-on-elevens, show up early. Don't get torched in ones. It's hard to cover Terry and Jahan. I get it. There's not many guys in the league that can cover these guys one-on-one. When we get to ball, when we get to cracking 11-on-11s, I want to see something from Benjamin St. Jude. It's a huge, 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 huge year for number 25 on the perimeter. And the final guy is someone that... You guys know I've talked about Kendall Fuller a lot on this pod. I've talked a lot about the tight ends and Logan Thomas. But this individual is someone that I feel like I've been hard on, but I need to be. Because he could potentially start at left guard. And that is Sadiq Charles. Fourth round pick in 2020 out of LSU. And right now, it's a battle between him and Chris Paul, most likely to start at left guard. A guy in the first three years of his career has had snaps at left tackle, Had seven snaps at left tackle, 61 at left guard, over 400 snaps at right guard, 71 snaps at right tackle, and actually four snaps as an inline tight end, as that Y tight end, as a extra blocker. Big boy in jumbo packages coming in on the offensive line. 61 snaps in three years at left guard. Never played center. Guy at LSU, again, that lived at tackle. But he... I need to see something from Sadiq Charles, because when you look at the left side of this line with him and Charles, I know Charles veteran can be above average at times. And at times he can be completely torched. I've talked about the mechanics of Sam Howell and his drop back to where he opens that left hip and he has access to the entire field to where he really does not shut off that blind side to where he can take shots to the ribs or to his lower back to get him out of a football game. But when I look at Sadiq Charles over these last few years, and I look back to this past year where he started against Tennessee, he started at Chicago, and started against Green Bay, it was rough. Two pressures allowed against Tennessee, two pressures allowed against Chicago, and a sack. Six pressures allowed against Green Bay. Now, you can look at each of those rosters and those defensive fronts and say, yeah, they got, they got some guys. But that's the NFL in general. And really, that three-game stretch, you're facing an AFC South team and two NFC North teams. Now, that was three straight wins for Washington and that middle portion. Excuse me, two wins, Chicago and Green Bay. That Tennessee game, I always think that should have been a win. That goal-line debacle was just... I don't even want to talk about that. So, you won two of those three games. But from what I saw of Sadiq Charles... Since he's came in the league, I need to see more to ever believe that he's going to be at least an average starter at left guard. I understand the athleticism, the movement skills, but what about when you're asking him to create lanes and you're running power through the one, three, two holes, up the middle? Is he going to be a guy that can vacate, that creates some alleys for you and displace some three techs? He's not going to be a guy that's going to run vertical and blow guys out of the building. That's not Sadiq Charles. As a puller, he's going to be enjoyable to watch, but he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not the longest guy in the world. Doesn't have the best technique. He plays over his toes a lot. So guys with good hands can work around him quickly. He doesn't have quick hands to where he'll win the rep immediately with leverage to work inside guys' breastplates. Guys can jolt him back immediately and not saying he has a bad anchor. But guys that can win with power and bull rush in the middle, he's facing a guy that's 6'3", three, 320 pounds, 330 pounds. Or, you know, you look across the NFC East. The Dallas just drafted Mozzie Smith out of Michigan. We know the guys in Philadelphia. They just drafted Jalen Carter, the Giants, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams. I mean, these are the guys he's going to face at least Twice. This year. And I didn't talk about Fletcher Cox even in Philadelphia or Milton Williams, who's been good for the Eagles since coming out of the Tech a couple years ago. I need to see more from Sadiq Charles to ever believe that he is going to be a legitimate starter for 10 plus games along this front five. And it starts in training camp. And I say it all the time. I'm not someone that's just gonna say something and uh, I'm gonna be hesitant on my on my opinion. I want City Charles to make me put my foot in my mouth as we move forward in the middle portions of the season. Be good. Be a good ball player. Because when I look at the last three years, really, 21 and 22, allowed five sacks, allowed four in 2021, he's given up 22, excuse me, 31 pressures, 22 hurries in his career. And it's not a lot of work. We saw him last year in one, two, three, four, six games. That's it all year long, but now he's starting at left guard. Maybe he's improved the off season. Technically added some more strength. We'll see, but I got to see more from Sadiq Charles. I got to early day three pick in 2020. It's a guy you drafted again. I will say it again. Initially drafted out of LSU to replace Trent Williams at left tackle. That did not work. So now he's going to line at guard. He's going to work against big boys every day in practice. I want to see him a lot in the preseason. He's got to show up in the regular season. But I would leave left guard open. This is not etched in stone Sadiq Charles at left guard if I'm Ron Rivera. Allow Chris Paul to compete. See what you have with Braden Daniels at guard as well. See what Ricky Stromberg... He can play guard as well. Drafted him as a center, he can play guard as well. That's a spot where I'm allowing young players to compete. All those guys are relatively young. I know Sadiq's moving into year four, but Braden's a rookie, Ricky's a rookie, and Chris is moving into year two. Young, hungry players that want a starting spot. You cannot have enough guys that play a multitude of positions along the front five. The more versatility you have, the higher you're going to be drafted and the higher you are going to be thought of among coaching staff for your ability to play in the football field. Sadiq Charles isn't even 24 years old yet. Been in the league since 2020. Extremely young. And maybe it just takes time. Maturity. I talk about development all the time. I get that. But when you're starting in this league, along a front five that has a bunch of new faces, I get it's a completely new revamped unit. And Eric bien right now, this looks like he wants to be his left guard. Time for you to show up. Time for you to show up, Sadiq Charles. My eyes, if there's any player in camp, I have my eyes on. It is number 77. A guy that could very easily, week one, align starting at left guard next to most likely Charles Leno and Nick Gates. And then to wrap up this podcast, of course, guys, look, I wish I could have horns going off, sirens going off. It is a... It just feels a nice breath of fresh air. It's almost like when you have a paper towel and you just put it over your face or a mask and then you just take it off and you get the breath of fresh air. The ownership group with Josh Harris, the guy bought beers for bars around the area at the bullpen and wherever the other party was in D.C. for the celebration of the ownership group. The guy bought beers for everybody at the bar. When have we ever seen the prior owner, do that. Day one, buying beers, buying drinks for people. I'm all in. Look, I'm not expecting to be a Super Bowl contender, an NFC East, win the East this year, take the crown from the Eagles, or win the NFC. But it starts where? It starts at the top for every organization. And I look at Josh Harris being the owner of the 76ers that have been now. They haven't reached the pinnacle of their sport, but they've always been competitive, especially the last five to seven years. The Devils were a joke for a while, but over the last two three years, they've got young players. They become one of the studs of the Eastern Conference in the NHL. Teams that build up and teams that are competitive. That's all you want to be. And Washington coming in this year as a 500 football team the last three years of Ron Rivera. There's just now a fresh excitement, potential new upgrades to the facility, new stadium down the road. We will see if Washington actually keeps the commander's name. Who knows? But it just finally feels like the people up top will stick to the business side of things. And he will allow the football people... To do their football jobs. It is just a breath of fresh air into the lungs of this franchise. And I love it. You guys know my background. I worked under Dan Snyder in Washington for multiple years. Not going to go into my time there. Enjoyed it. That's all I'm going to say. But now with Josh Harris in the building. Magic Johnson firing up the employees, firing up the city. His chats with Terry McLaurin and other players, it gets you fired up. I expect to see tons and tons of you guys out not just throughout the year in the home games at FedEx, but training camp. I know the the get together Saturday or whatever it's called on this this coming Saturday is going to be huge in Ashburn. I plan to be down there later this week. I'm excited to see football I'm excited to see just the passion for the burgundy and gold come around the city again. Again, I, I wasn't alive for the glory days of this franchise. I was born in 96. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I want to see it. We've seen some flashes. But this city is so sports driven. When the Caps won the Cup, And the Nats won the World Series. You saw how this city can just become one and mesh together, and be the talk of the town. When the burgundy and gold are going, DC is an amazing place to be. It really is. When the Wizards start to get going, it's going to be an amazing place to be. But man, it really is just nice to take a step back from a ten thousand foot view. And see just really the atmosphere, the aura now surrounding this franchise. The dark cloud is gone. The helicopter that hung over this team for so long, spewing just crap down on this, on this franchise for decades, is gone. Now we can focus on what matters most. And that's the product for the business side, business people to handle. And what happens in between the hashes? And that is football. And football is what matters most winning competitive football. So, today being the first podcast since the new ownership was announced, it is just a breath of fresh air. It really is. I hope you guys almost have a rejuvenated mindset towards this team, towards the years past where we kind of headed into every year and there was just. Yeah, I'm trying to focus on football, but every single week there's just more crap happening around this franchise. Knock on wood, we don't have any more of that crap. don't think we will. It's actual individuals in the building that focus on the team, not themselves. It's not ego. It's about focusing on the product. And that is the Burgundy and Gold and the Washington Commander. So that is going to do it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Always appreciate your reviews, your likes, your shares, your subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. If you don't, follow me already on Twitter. I am at underscore Ryan Fowler. Again, always appreciate you guys' time. If you guys are able to make it out to training camp over these next few weeks, enjoy your time there. We got football this week, folks. Burgundy and gold. Sam Howell. Chase Young. All the names that encompass this roster. Guys you've heard about over these last few months. The rookie class. Emmanuel Forbes. Quan Martin, all the way to KJ Henry, Chris Rodriguez, Ricky Stromberg, Braden Daniels, Andre Jones. All those guys are going to be out on the field in the coming days in Ashburn. Again, rookies reported last Friday. We're going to be cracking pads soon and really s- diving into this roster, seeing what we got, both from the young guys and the older guys on this squad to see what the ultimate ceiling is going to be for this roster in 2023 so as always guys appreciate your time i will have an episode out for you guys next monday recapping the first few practices of training camp it is a brand new start for the washington commanders organization the burgundy and gold it's an exciting time we got football right around the corner ladies and gentlemen so i am ryan fowler i'll talk to you guys next week and this is commanding the huddle